Welcome everyone to the Courageous Truth Podcast. As always, I am humbled that you have chosen to spend a little bit of time with me today. These particular episodes are episodes that I am re-airing from my church podcast, Courageous Generation Church in Washington State, and it is a chapter by chapter, sometimes multiple chapters at a time, teachings through the book of Revelation. We began as a teaching series, and then it became a discussion series as we got into the summer. So I'm going to start airing these about once a week, and I hope it blesses you. I I know a lot of people, even if you don't follow Jesus, you don't claim to be a Jesus follower, this book of, of the Bible should be of particular interest to you, as you will see how we are seeing things happen in a biblical manner nothing is catching god off surprise anyway i hope these bless you if you want to know what chapter of revelation is being taught this week please look at the title and it will tell you but anyway i hope this blesses you challenges you inspires you to continue to take a courageous stand for the truth god bless you and i will see you next week All right, so we're going to get into Revelations chapter 6 at the church. We have been doing a Bible study type format, so it's more of a discussion, hopefully a discussion group, but I'm going to go through these notes because I believe that this, excuse me, this book is so important and this, these chapters are so important that we need to, uh, we need to learn them. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read Revelations chapter six, and then we're going to move through some of this teaching and, uh, see where we are on the other side. Revelations chapter six says this. Now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come. And I looked and behold, a white horse and its rider had a bow And a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. The rider had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. When I opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the four living creatures say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him, and they were given authority over the four of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the full full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth, as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. 
The sky vanished like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones, and the generals and the rich and the powerful, and every slave and free hid themselves in the caves and then the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? I want to take a minute before we break this down really quick, and let's just do a quick review of the book of Revelation and what has led us up to what this is turning into is to a narrative. It hasn't happened yet, but there is a narrative behind this. So chapter one, we see a vision John sees, a vision of the glorified Jesus. John is then assigned and commissioned to write this entire epistle. And it takes place in chapter one, verse 19. It says this, write therefore the things you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. We know that what John has seen is a vision, and we know what is happening now is the church age, the letters to the churches. In chapters 2 and 3, John writes a letter to seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, each one with a different spiritual state that they are in. And this, I believe, is just such a summary of where the church is at worldwide, falling into one of these categories, either being rebuked or corrected or exhorted and all of the above, really. The Holy Spirit is imploring the church to get right with him, get right with God, because there is a time coming where the church, the need of the church and the earth is going to be more urgent than ever. And then the sh the scene shifts from the present day, the church age, to a future event. And we see in chapter 4, the throne room, where the Holy Spirit gives John a vision of the throne room. And he sees the one on the throne. He sees all the things going on from the throne. The lightning, the, the rainbow, the peals of thunder happening. He sees the 24 elders with their crowns and with their thrones. And he sees the four living creatures, each with a different face and six wings covered in eyes. And we see this take place. And then all of a sudden, a mighty angel in, in chapter 5, we see the lamb and the scroll. We see the right hand of the almighty God holding a scroll that is sealed with seven seals. And a mighty angel cries out, who is worthy to open the scroll? And yet none can be found. And then we see later on in chapter 5 that a lamb who looks as though to be slain is the one that is worthy to open the scroll. And we realize that what is on that scroll as we dig and we study, we realize there is something so holy and so beautiful and worthy, only Jesus can open it. But the seals on the scroll have consequences on the earth in order to make the earth ready, make the bride of Christ ready for what is going to take place, what is in the scroll, the scrolls must be opened by the cracking of each of the seven seals. Now, before we get to these seals and what they truly mean, I want to do a quick review of the signs of the times. Now, we know that the rapture of the church, we teach a pre-tribulation rapture of the church, that the church, that Jesus is not, re is not his second coming, his second coming is not at the rapture, his second coming comes after the tribulation. But when he comes for the church, when the rapture happens, he's coming for his church, when he comes to reign on the earth in the millennial reign, he is coming with his church. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18 says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The words caught up is a Greek word, harpazo, which means to grab or seize suddenly. And we know that this event will take place at a time of God's choosing. No one knows, not even the Spirit, not even the Son, not even the angels in heaven, when this rapture will take place. But we know when the rapture takes place, it will begin a series of eternally historic events that are going to bring the earth to a close and bring God's kingdom to its full measure in relationship with humans. Now, we know some of the signs of the time are a few different things. We know it's apostasy. Some of the signs of the times we're seeing in culture today is apostasy. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 says, Now the Spirit especially says, In later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars who are consciences are seared. And we see a lot of this in the secular humanism going on in the world. We see just the wicked, godless ideology, this atheistic, uh, nihilistic mindset. We see the transgender movement, the LGBTQ movement. It's not about freedom. It's all about a, a an agenda that drives people away from God and into confusion. And especially with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, we see just how a, the abortion mindset has just begun to rear its ugly head how it's it's a right to kill and it's in it in a, and we're seeing a lot of attacks on the church too for the church celebrating the overturning of Roe v Wade all of a sudden we're we're anti-women we're we're against women who've had abortion which is just untrue we see the transhumanism movement we're seeing genif, geni, uh genetically modified uh body parts we're seeing brain implants we're seeing thought control begin to sort of begin to come to the surface that that we have that type of technology available and we're seeing the social justice jesus jesus is not a meme <laughs> you know jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords people are basing their ideas of who jesus is off of comic strips off of memes off of gifts off of things uh and they've never read the bible they don't know who jesus is we're seeing bad doctrine being taught in the church 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. People are conforming scripture to themselves. It is extremely important, write this down, that we know the full counsel of God. The Bible also says to avoid things and people that are partaking in the things that 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 talks about. We, they talk about the lovers of money, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure uh, rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. The Bible says, I was paraphrasing on that. So we see all these things as signs of the time time that it could be we don't know when <laughs> we don't know when the rapture is going to take place and the tribulation is going to start we don't know when only god knows 
But if we're beginning to see the signs and the birth pains and the signs of time, it's time to start talking about it. It's time to start studying. It's time to start praying through these things. Why are these future events important today? Well, the Bible talks about them. If the Bible's talking about it, we need to talk about it. And it helps develop a biblical worldview, a full and complete understanding of Jesus and scripture. You, you can't know the full, full scriptures if you don't study Bible prophecy. Fuel and motivation to stand against the spirit of the age. When we know what's coming, God reveals it to us. It is not that mysterious. It just takes a little bit of study. <clears throat> and Revelation Eason says it brings a blessing on those who read it. These are all reasons why we should be understanding what is happening in these times. Now, Revelation 6, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase as we go through this, uh, just for the sake of, of this podcast, um, what we do know is that these scroll must be opened. And in order for that inheritance scroll to be opened, for the contents of that scroll to be released and revealed, the scrolls, the seals must be broken. And only Jesus Christ himself can break those seals. And he is beginning to open these seals, and they are going to have an effect on the earth at the beginning of the tribulation period. So the rapture of the church happens. The church is removed. All those who have been sealed by the salvation of Jesus Christ will be removed from the earth during this time. And as that happens, the great tribulation will begin as these seals begin to be broken. Now, why a period of tribulation? Why is it even necessary? Number one, to bring the world's history to an end God's way. That way that everything he says in the Bible will take place to fulfill Israel's prophecy, to shake mankind's independence, to choose Christ or the Antichrist. There will be, in during the Great Tribulation, salvation will be available to all who believe it. It will be harder to follow Christ, but it will still be available. And it need, we need to reveal the contents of the scroll, and there's earthly consequences and a purging that needs to happen in order for the earth to be ready for the full fullness of the promise and inheritance of God. And then, of course, to punish sin. Sin must be punished. So here we go. I'm not going to read, I'm not going to read uh, Revelation 6 again. I am just going to kind of paraphrase, give a couple thoughts on it. But as the first seal is opened in verse 2, we see a white horse. A, this rider has a bow and a crown, and he comes to conquer, and he comes conquering. This is symbolic of the Antichrist who came, comes at the beginning of the tribulation. As soon as the church is out of the way, his quote unquote demonic ministry is being set into motion on the earth. This is Satan's number one man on the earth during the tribulation period. He will be a worker of deceit. His speech will be smoother than butter. This talks about it in the Psalms. Psalms 5, Psalms 52, and Psalms 55. His heart will be full of war. <clears throat> a man of bloodshed and deceit. Now, the Bible does teach, of course, that many nations will resist him. It talks about it in the book of Daniel. That many nations will resist him, resulting in a world war. During this war, the rest of the seals will be opened by the Lamb. So he comes. The the in fact, let me read Revelations 13, 5 through 9, and then I'll give a little commentary on it. This is Revelations 13, 5 through 9. And the beast, which is the Antichrist, was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. 
It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And the authority was given over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Even everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. The Antichrist will be a political leader that rises to the authority, and he will have authority over every tribe, every people, every language, and every nation, i.e. he will be a one-world government leader. Why do you believe that there is such a push towards a one-world government? Why does Satan want this so bad? Because he knows he needs to get his Antichrist ready for an absolute destruction spiritually with the church gone from the earth. And Daniel 9 hints that he will be of Roman heritage. We don't know that for a fact, but we do know he is not American. He's not Donald Trump. He's not uh, uh, Joe Biden. He's not one of these political figures in America. We're talking about a man who is evil at his core, but he is charismatic and the world will want to follow him. We know that Israel will accept them as a political leader, but not as their Messiah. Because we know at the beginning of the um, Great Tribulation, the Antichrist will sign a peace treaty with Israel and will, of course, break that immediately. And there's many theories around the Antichrist. I just want to stick to the basics that we see very clearly in Scripture. So just with that being said, now we know what's going to happen next. Okay, Next, in verse 3 and 4, we see the second seal opened up and that is a red horse and that is the the seal of war and he will be permitted to take peace from the earth and he will be given a sword so that many people will slay one another this is going to be a civil war worldwide civil war so the antichrist is going to come he's going to promise peace and immediately war breaks out now in verse five and six there's a famine seal number three is a black horse and he held scales in his hand food will be overpriced and it will be scarce. And it talks about uh, a day's wages for some barley, uh, one denarius being typically a day's wages. So food will be very, very scarce, very, very expensive. So there will be war. There will be famine. There will be a leader trying to rise and trying to get people to follow him. And then, of course, uh, seal number four is a pale horse, and that is death. Verse 7 and 8 the pale horse come and that's death and Hades follows him and he's given authority to kill a quarter of the earth. If that was today, it'd be what little under 2 billion people that would be immediately wiped out by famine and pestilence and, and the sword and by wild beasts. Some would say governmental agencies. So war is going to happen. Famine is going to happen. There's just going to be so much death. And then in verse nine, through 11, the seal number five is the souls of those slain for the word of God. These who chose choose to follow Jesus during the tribulation and not the Antichrist, and there will be intense persecution on the followers of Jesus. So through all this, all the people who were not raptured in the church but have come to faith in Jesus. And we'll talk about the two witnesses. We'll talk about the 144,000 and the strategy that God has to 
evangelize the world and create more opportunity for people to accept the good news of Jesus, even in this time of wrath, God is still thinking, how can I get more people to follow me and to be saved? In verse 12 through 17, it's natural disasters, earthquakes, sun and moon disordered, severe weather, so extreme that people will run and hide, knowing that this is from the Lord, knowing this is the wrath of the Lamb, understanding that there are supernatural uh, powers behind the weather that they're facing. The 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 mount, It talks about mountains falling into the sea and just volcanoes. You can only imagine what it would look like. So, and that is the first round of judgments, and they're already crawling, crying out and hiding. So this is not going to be a pretty time period. This is going to be a tough, tough time period in the history of humanity. With the church gone, morality gone, the only people getting saved are being martyred. Churches, there won't be churches, there won't be ministries, there will just be whatever brand new Christians create. Whatever they do to, to hold t fast to the teachings of Jesus until they're hunted down and killed. This is going to be a very, very dark time in human history. And I think it's important that we talk about. We need to talk about it. We need to develop language around it in the church because, in fact, the Bible gives us language around it. Now, before we, we kind of wrap this up and, and at the end of this chapter, uh, the next chapter is kind of a break, kind of an interlude, and then we get into the last seal, and then we go into another round of judgments, which is the trumpet judgments. But I, I want to make mention, honorable mention of Matthew 24, and many people would call that the, the Olivet Discourse. And this is Jesus discussing the signs of the time with his disciples on the Mount of Olives, uh, very shortly before he is arrested and taken before Pontius Pilate. And this is in Matthew chapter 24. And I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I think that it is very important to notice just how Scripture is weaving together and how Jesus is teaching these things almost 60, 65 years before John is seeing this vision and, and writing this down. So it just proves more and more the inerrancy of Scripture. Now we see in verse uh, four through five in Matthew 24, Jesus answers them when they ask him about the signs of the times. He says, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And if you look at the, the, the very first seal, the white horse, the antichrist comes out and the false prophet who is working alongside of the antichrist as we get there, this is, this is a time of great deception. And in verse 6 and 7, it says, You will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed, because the end is not yet. He's talking about wars. He's talking about seal number 2. And in 7, there'll be famines, seal number 3. In, in verse 9, there's death, the pale horse. In 9 through 13, he talks about martyrdom happening during the end times. That's seal number 5. And in Verse 29 and 30, and also in Luke 21, 11, natural disasters, seal number six. So Jesus is foreshadowing the seal judgments because he's the one who is releasing these judgments onto the earth as a glorified deity, as a glorified son of man, the glorified God. Jesus is talking to the about these things as a man before he's going to actually become the, the lamb that was slain. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves in all this is, where is the hope? 
Of course there's hope. This series is called Hope Revealed. Where is the hope? Number one, we got to know that these judgments are not for us. These judgments are not meant for the church. They're meant for those who are disobedient and have rejected salvation from God. The Bible talks about in, in the book of Romans chapter 5 that we are, to be, we are going to be saved from the coming wrath. The wrath of God is being released and Jesus died to save as many as possible. It's God's will that none should perish but have everlasting life. And see, we know the truth. We know the truth of these scriptures now. We must use the tr- tool of truth as a discipleship tool. We have got to talk about it. I, I had a friend uh, in church tonight tell uh, about that the number one book of discipleship in some other countries is the book of Revelation in Daniel. Many people would say, when you get saved, you got to read John. They, they're, they're going straight to Revelation and straight to Daniel. In other words, wrath is coming. You will be saved from it. That's quite the discipleship tool. And God trusts us with this information. God has given this opportunity to learn these things to every human being on the planet. There is so, if you've ever been to a hotel room, whether you go to church or not, you have had the opportunity to read about what's going to happen at the end. And it instills a healthy fear of God inside of our hearts and in our churches and our homes and our families. And it also says sin will be punished. All the things in culture, the things that we, we hate, the things that make are deplorable, the things that we just can't stand, God is going to bring a righteous judgment on them. The things that we need to stand against in culture, and we should stand, and we should be vocal, and we should be loud, and we should be pushing back. But we're not the one who brings the judgment. God is. We just need to be resistant in, in order to navigate some of these things. So I want to thank you for tuning in. There's so much here. Uh, We've been having Bible study formats at our church and slideshows and everything during the summer. So if you're you're around, we'd love to have you out Saturday evening, 6 p.m., 10515, 269th Street East, Graham, 98338. Uh, We meet at a church called Living Word Lutheran Church. Beautiful people out there. We love them so much. And uh, they've been so generous with us. But we're just going to be studying the book of Revelation all summer. Love to have you out. God bless you. Um, Keep studying the word. Keep praying. Keep interceding. Uh, We're seeing the signs of the times, but our hope is in Jesus. God bless you all.